Thank you so much for choosing to listen to the Refuge podcast today. At Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Now here's an inspiring message from one of our leaders or pastors that will help you grow in your relationship with God. So I love this series, How To, because, again, the practical stuff. And I think sometimes we come to church or we talk to people and we hear how we should be and we... um, We even may read a Bible verse that says, you should be doing this, you shouldn't be doing this, you know, love your neighbor as yourself, blah, 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 all this stuff. But if you see somewhere you should be, but you're not there, how do you get there? And and so um, the word, the Bible, is practical, and God has every answer, and he teaches us, not only does he does he say you should be here, and he has a standard of how we should live, but his grace enables us to live there, or to get there, um, to walk that out. Um, so the first thing that I felt like, I'm going to share a few principles from scripture that I felt like God gave me about relationships and how to have healthy relationships. The first thing is, is um, Romans 12, 18, we're going to read. Um, and this is what it is, is that you have a responsibility in your relationships. Oh, well, duh, Brooke. But no, you have a part to play in your relationships, and no matter what end of the relationship you're on. So if you were hurt, if you're innocent, and you were wronged in a relationship in some way, shape, or form, the word still has you, gives you a responsibility. So let's read uh, Romans 12, 18. If possible, as, f- as far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Simple, right? That phrase, as far as it depends on you, to me should be like etched in our mind. And you know, when I was in college in Arkansas, my pastor, I was having a really hard problem with my, one of my leaders, actually, and she was super um, kind of almost controlling, and we just didn't get along. And he said this to me, and he said, Brooke, as far as it depends on you. And that is your responsibility before God. So I have a part to play in all of my relationships with my spouse, with my boss, with my friends, with whoever it may be, I have to take responsibility and look at myself first and say, okay, what am I doing? What can I do in this relationship? Everything in my power, everything in my ability to be at peace with this person. And I love the words, if you bring that back up, I love the two words at the beginning of this that says, if possible, (laughs) because I think that what he's saying is that, you know, the end goal here is not to be best friends with everybody. You're not going to be close and have this super deep, amazing relationship with everybody. It's not going to be possible. So you may do everything you can. You may, you know, be the one to call and apologize, or you may forgive, or you may... You know, you, you're like, okay, I took this step. I, I got out of my comfort zone and I did my part. But that person may still not forgive you. Or that person may still just not like you. Okay, that's between them and God then. So there's been girls in my life and I, I tr- have tried to be friends with them. I've tried to invite them into my life. I've tried to talk to them and get to know them and invite them in and stuff. But they just didn't like me for some reason. And I genuinely felt like, okay, before God... Lord, I'm like, I'm being nice, I'm being friendly, I'm being humble, like, I'm, I'm taking that step, but she just has a problem with me. Girls know what I'm talking about? 
and that's, but really that's because there's some insecurity or there's their own issues going on that they can't be friends or whatever. But, if, but you have, from the word, the responsibility to, take, to do all that you can to be at peace with someone, to be at peace with that person. And um, the verses before this, in verses like 9 through 17, Paul gives like practical tips. Um, for what he says, love the, love, uh, show brotherly love. And then he says, don't think that you're wise in your own eyes. And so he's giving all these things. But then I just love this phrase. I love this verse. It's really simple. Write it down. Put it on your wall. Let, uh, and ask God to, to show you, um, to renew your mind with just this, that this is it. And if we all did this, think about if we all had this attitude and we all were like, okay, we all came to our relationship and said, okay, as far as it depends on me, as far as it depends on me, Lord, what could I do? What am I not doing that I should be doing? So I love that. Second thing is that healthy relationships have boundaries. <clears throat> so I'm really excited to talk about this part because I think sometimes in the church we have weird relationships going on. <laughs> like, there's some weird things that can go on. So, <laughs> and not just men and women, there can be like men and men, women and women, and I'm not talking about just in like a sexual way, I mean just unhealthy attachments, unhealthy connections, okay? So let's read Proverbs 4.23. And I love this verse. It says, Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. And so actually, if you look up this, um, this phrase, over your heart, I think the word heart is so... Um, misused and so un misunderstood in our, in our culture, in our society, and it's thrown around. And, and if I asked you, where's your heart? Not your physical heart, your, you know, the part that you, that you use in your, you know, oh, my heart hurts, or my heart makes me happy, or I love my heart. You know, where is it? Do you know what this, so what this phrase, over your heart, actually means, if you look it up, there's a few words for it. One is your inner man, or inner woman, one is your mind, one is your heart, will, or understanding. And I'm going to use the word inner man, or, or I'm going to say it because I'm a woman. I'm going to say inner woman. I love that because there is that part of you, it's your soul, that part of you, that inner woman, that inner man that you are supposed to watch over. So everyone read it with me and say, oh, say your inner man. So watch over your inner man with all diligence, for from your inner man... Flow the springs of life, or inner woman, if you say. And, um, and so I love that. And notice it doesn't say, this verse doesn't say, close your heart, put up walls, close your heart. It says, guard it. It says, watch over it. If you're putting up walls and you're closing your heart, it's because you're either angry, you're bitter, you're resentful. There's something that you're, that you're closing people off to. So it doesn't say, close your heart. It says, watch over it. So um, in healthy relationships, we can, I, I want to share this because I feel like it's really practical. We can have um, close relationships. We can be vulnerable and honest and open with each other. But yet at the same time, we can watch over our inner person. We can guard ourselves and still have close relationships. We don't have to share everything. We don't have to receive everything that someone else is saying. Um, we don't have to. We can watch how much time we're spending with someone. So, okay, so just some examples of this that I, I notice, that I've seen. 
is that unhealthy, um, if someone is not guarding their heart, this could be what happens. There's a woman who's married to a man. They love God. They come to church, whatever. But that woman spends more time with her girlfriends, and she's more intimate and connected and emotionally connected with her friends than she is with her husband. That's unhealthy. That's not, that's weird. That's not okay. <laughs> or have you ever seen, maybe other moms know what I'm talking about, that mom that is so like obsessed with her kids, where she just, it's like her kids define her, her kids are her identity, and all she talks about are her kids, all she can think about, every, her social media. I mean, she's just like, it's like, you want to be like, do you do anything else? Like, do you, do you have, do you, is there anything else going on in there besides your obsession with your kids? So I love my kids. I have two little boys, and I love them, of course, so much, and I would lay down my life for them. But I'm not obsessed over them. They are not my identity. They, are, they don't define me. My husband doesn't define me because we live in a world where things can happen. We are not guaranteed tomorrow. We are not invincible. So our identity, our fulfillment cannot come from other people. And if it is, it's unhealthy, okay? In the psychology world, some of you may know, this unhealthy attachment is called codependency. Have you anybody heard that before? Okay, they, the world, people that don't even necessarily believe in Christ as their savior, there's something flying. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, it, was, I, it was like dust or something. Distracted me. Um, they know this stuff. They know that there's unhealthy connections that go on between a soul and a soul, another person, another person. They call it codependency. And this is what experts define it as. This is what they say. Experts say it's a pattern of behavior in which you find yourself dependent on approval from someone else for your self-worth and identity. And another definition that people have heard the term soul ties, and you could do a whole, you could do a whole uh, month-long teaching series on this stuff, okay? But I'm just going to share really briefly what soul ties, just a, just a very brief definition, is a part of you is with another person, and, and, that, and, and they have left apart with you, and no matter how physically far apart you are, there's something there that you just can't break. You're attached, you're connected. Um, I'll, I'll just read this, actually. It says, when you want to be rid of someone from your mind and your life, even when you are far away from them and out of their presence, you still feel as if they are a part of you, and a part of you is with them, causing you to feel unwhole, as if you've given up some of yourself untangible that cannot be easily possessed again. So even in, in um, you know, I think that, you know, this can happen with, in marriages, that's where people have affairs and they cheat on their spouse and stuff like that because they have opened part of their self to another person and they've, they've attached, they've let something come in, they've attached to them and that can happen, you know. But this is, can also be with girlfriends, guy friends, that kind of stuff. And so we, again, we need to watch over our inner man. We need to guard ourselves all the while, no matter who we're with, no matter who our friends are, who we're hanging out with. Um, and even, and especially in the body of Christ, so we can be healthy and we can have healthy relationships. Um, Acts 17, 28 says this. In him, we live and move and exist. 
Acts 17, 28. In him we live and move and have our being. Not in another person, not in my spouse, not in my friends, not in anyone else. In Christ alone are we fulfilled, and he is our identity. We draw from him. So the last thing that I wanted to share about um, relationships that I see in scripture, and I'm, I'm going to end with this. It's a little longer, but I'm going to end with this one. Is relationships are meant to bring healing. So think about this. If I have a cut on my arm and it's bleeding and whatever, all I have to do is clean it up a little bit and put a Band-Aid on it, but then all I really have to do is wait. So maybe a week, five days to a week or whatever, and I'm going to wait, I'm going to take the Band-Aid off, and guess what? It's healed, right? It's, it's better. That's amazing. So our physical body heals itself. Or if you have a broken ankle, a broken leg or whatever, you know, we help it. So you might go to the doctor and they'll put a cast on to, you know, so it doesn't move around and you'll get crutches so you're not putting pressure on it. And so we're helping it heal, but ultimately you didn't do anything to heal the bone. Like you're not, you didn't do anything. God designed our physical bodies to heal itself. So the same way that our physical body helps heal itself, the body of Christ, you, us, together in relationships, bring healing to each other. The body of Christ is supposed to heal each other. And right now, it seems it's not sometimes. And there's other reasons for that. But I want to share just one. I want to read James 5, 14 through 16. This is in verse 14. This is what it says. Is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Verse 15. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. So notice, the sick man in these verses did not pray for himself. He did not pray for himself. He called, what was he supposed to do? He called for the elders of the church. And th- in this context, when I studied this, the elders, um, there was, this word elder here simply means the older of two. The older, the wiser. And, and as you read, it's because they had faith. The ones that offered the prayer of faith. But the sick man didn't pray for himself. He called for someone else, the older, the wiser, in the body of Christ to come pray for him. And, there, and then it says the prayer offered in faith restored him. The Lord restored him through the, their faith. So their faith for the sick man helped heal him. He did not pray for himself. I mean, so, so don't, so if, you know, this isn't you being at home in your bed all by yourself, you're sick physically, mentally, emotionally, whatever, and you're sitting crying and begging out to God to come heal you. God wants to use other people, the body of Christ, to bring healing to you. Physically, mentally, emotionally, this is the way God chose to do it. So I wanted to share this because some people are like, well, Jesus Jesus healed me already. Jesus died on the cross and healed me. Jesus Christ did die on the cross and rose from the dead and bought your healing and paid for your healing with his own blood and his own body. 
But the way he administers it today is through us, is through me. There are people out there, God died for them. God, God paid for healing for them. God paid for healing with his own blood. But he's waiting for you to go tell them and pray for them and preach the gospel to them. So Jesus said, you go do it. He didn't say sit in your house and go pray, pray for your neighbor every single day to, so that they'll be saved. He said, you go tell them. You do it. So as we walk it out, our healing, God's going to use other people. That's just the way he set it up because we are his body. We're all members of one body just the same way that my, my brain, when I have a wound, my brain is not going to withdraw from that wound and say, oh, I'm not going to help that. Nope. No, why? It's, my, it's part of my own body. I, I have to help it. I can't not help it. It's part of my own body. Look around. We're part of the same body. So instead of withdrawing from the hurting person or, or, or the wounded person or the, the lost person or the person that's in addiction or whatever, we go to them and we help bring healing to them. So verse, uh, if you could get up verse 16. How do we do this? And this is the part I want to talk about. Therefore, therefore, because this is how God set it up, because this is the way God designed it to be, therefore, you confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so you may be healed. And, you know, so I was thinking about this, and I, and I asked God, I said, sorry, <laughs> So, um, a few years ago, Andrew and I went through a really difficult time, really hard time, and that's actually how we came to refuge, and I'll spare you all the details, but I was asking God, it was, it was the worst time in our, in our life, and we were deciding if we were going to essentially get divorced or not, and I said, God, why am I here today? How am I here? Like, how did I make it this far. Like, I didn't do anything good. I didn't do anything to be here. How did you bring me this far, you know? And you know what? God spoke this verse to me. Of all the verses, of all the reasons, of all the things he could have told me, he said, James 5, 16, you confess your sins and you let someone pray for you because if you're going to someone and you're saying, this is what I'm struggling with, this is what I'm going through, it takes humility. It takes you to, to receive. It takes you to say, God, I need help. Help me, right? Like it takes that and you go and you say, God, I need help. You tell someone and they pray for you. God administers healing. And that happened to me. Um, so I think that some people may read this or some people are scared of telling someone else to confess their sins. But, you know, I don't read this verse as thou shalt confess thy sins. I don't read it like that. You know what I read it as? An invitation to freedom, an invitation to healing. So you know what? When I think of confessing my sins to someone, it doesn't scare me anymore. It used to. I used to be like, oh, I don't want, you know, I don't want to, I can't tell them that. I can't tell them what I did, you know, or I can't tell them what I'm thinking about or what I'm struggling with. But you know what? I don't think like that anymore. Andrew and I tell each other everything. Because God works healing into our relationship and into our life that way. And so I love this. And it's not scary and it's not weird. You know, confess in a practical way, confessing your sins to someone else and asking them to pray for you can be as simple as saying, hey, I'm struggling with thinking about this. 
or I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with looking at this, or I'm struggling with whatever it may be that you're dealing with, you tell someone. And, and you tell someone probably wiser and older and more mature in the faith because they have the prayer faith. They know how to give you grace. They know how to pray for you. So you're not just, you know, telling one of your peers that, that is, doesn't know how to help you or how to, you know, bring you into that, into the grace and the place of where God can heal you. And, and then you just, they pray for you. And you know what? That's so practical and simple. But when you do that and you have relationships like that, you are going to walk into freedom and healing. And it's amazing. Don't you want to be healed and free? And this is a principle that God set up. This is the way that God wants to do it because we are his body. And we're all members of one body. So he wants to use other people in your life to bring you healing. Physical, mental, emotional. So we're going to uh, close with this. and um, Your relationships should practice and, and uh, walk in healing and freedom and but the practical way is that you have to do some of these things so um at the end here the prayer team is going to be up here and and if you need healing you need freedom come talk to someone come tell someone not because you're telling them because because don't be afraid of them or, or you don't well i don't know them or whatever but you're coming to god and you're and god's going to use their faith because if maybe you're lacking God will use their faith for you. So are you in relationships that are bringing healing? And are you taking responsibility for your part? And um, I think that there's so many relationships that, that are dysfunctional and broken or just bitter or, you know, but God came to give us life and he wants us to be healthy so we can have healthy relationships so that we can reach the lost and the world. If we don't have healthy relationships ourselves, if we're dysfunctional and our inner man that I talked about is, is insecure and bitter and all this stuff, then number one, you can't have healthy relationships. And then number two, the world doesn't want to be a Christian because you're dysfunctional and messed up because you're, you're walking in bitterness and anger and, and you're not fun. No one wants to be in relationships with you. So we need to work on ourselves and take responsibility for our part. Then we can have healthy relationships. And then we can go preach the gospel and reach the lost and the other hurting people and say, hey, come on, come with us. This is how to do it. I did it. If you don't do it yourself and you don't experience it yourself and you're not walking in this, how are you going to go tell someone else how to do it? Thank you so much for listening to The Refuge Podcast. To find out more information about who we are and to listen to more inspirational messages, you can visit us online at wearerefuge.net.